We are on the top of Yid Aleph, Amun Aleph, 11A1 in the Archville Gemara. We are concluding today our discussion of Reish Lakish, the dispute between Reish Lakish and Rav Yochanan. And then the Gemara will have uh, four different cases about other unique scenarios, very interesting scenarios of situations where there might not be Yivum or Chalitza. And then I'll go on a few side tangents, including um, the laws of uh, issues surrounding birth control a little bit. And then we'll all, eventually, in, in two weeks, we'll get to the next the Mishnah. So we are in the process of concluding uh, the Gemara on the first Mishnah. But going back to the dispute, the Machlokas between Rishlokish and Rav Yochanan. We had last week, in last week's recording, a Machlokas between Rav Yochanan and Rishlokish about the following case. Everyone agrees that when a person does chalitza, a chalitza, again, is that divorce type of a process in a situation where you have the option of doing even more chalitza when the brother passes away without any children, everyone agrees that the one who does chalitza with the relationship between the one that does chalitza to the one that, to the chalutza, to, to, the to the sister-in-law, uh, the two of them, they do chalitza. So their relationship is no longer viewed as a brother-in-law, sister-in-law relationship. It is, at least as a severe type of a relationship, with a, pro, with a severe prohibition and punishment. Uh, rather, it is a different type of a love. It's a different type of a negative commandment that once you, you decide not to do yibam, not to marry, so then there's a prohibition to marry in this case, once you've rejected that. Everyone agrees that that's a, that's a regular, ordinary negative commandment. The discussion becomes, what about all the other brothers? If you have multiple brothers and multiple sisters-in-law, multiple co-wives, uh, so then what's the status, what's the relationship between the other brothers, those that were not involved with Chalitza, with regards to all the other sisters-in-law, including the one that was involved in the Chalitza, and what's the status of all the sisters-in-law, all the co-wives that were not involved in the Chalitza, with regards to all the brothers, including the brother that did do Chalitza, because they were not involved in the Chalitza. And we had a dispute, we had a machlokas between Rishlokish and Rav Yochanan. Rishlokish was of the opinion that the Isr Kares, the prohibition of brother-in-law to sister-in-law remains, that stays, that remains, and therefore in all those other types of relationships, there is an Isr Kares, a very severe prohibition of Kares. However, Rabbi Yochanan was of the opinion that no, the Isr Lav, the negative prohibition of, of this new negative prohibition applies to everybody. It applies to everybody, to all the brothers, even for the brothers that were not involved in Chalitza, and applies to all the sisters-in-law, the co-wives that were not involved in Chalitza. They all uh, have this negative commandment. They all sort of remove this uh, the status of brother-in-law and sister-in-law, at least to a very severe level, is removed of of Kares, and now it's just an ordinary uh, love. It's an ordinary negative commandment. What we left off with last time was that there was a the, the Gemara brought down a brisa, a brisa which had a contradiction between the first half of the brisa and the second half of the brisa. And the, we'll just review that brisa because we left it unanswered, and then today we'll give the answer in terms of how to explain the brisa. The first half of the brisa seems to imply like Rabbi Yochanan. The second half of the brisa, the second line of the brisa implies like Reish Lakish. So the question is, how do you fit the brisa? The brisa can only fit like one of the opinions. Uh, and the brisa said as follows. It says that, some, let's say you have a case where one person does chalitza. You have a situation where one person does chalitza, and then that person that does chalitza... He goes ahead and he violates the negative commandment and he, marry, he ends up marrying the person that he did chalitza with, that sister-in-law. 
So he he violated a negative commandment and then he dies. So the law is, says the price of the law is that we require chalitza from one of the remaining brothers because it's even though he violated the Torah law, he went against the Torah, but still it's viewed as a legal marriage because it's an ordinary negative commandment. It's not a doesn't get kares. And so therefore it's viewed as a legal marriage. And we say that once he passes away without children, so then he should do chalitza with one of the remaining brothers. Why? Because this seems to fit like Rabbi Yochanan. Rabbi Yochanan is of the opinion that uh, the other brothers, with regards to the to the sister-in-law that did chalitza, it's a ordinary negative commandment. It's not kares. Our list in the mission where we say there's no yibam. Our case is only of where there's where there's kares, where it's a very severe prohibition. Over here, it's not kares according to Rabbi Yochanan. For the other brothers, it's an ordinary negative commandment, and therefore. Uh, they should do chalitza. They can't do yibam because it's a negative commandment, but it's not as severe, so therefore we say to do chalitza. However, the, and that fits with Rabbi Yochanan. However, the second half of the b'risa says that if, let's say, what happens if you have a different case where there was chalitza done, but one of the other brothers now, not the same brother that did a chalitza, but one of the other brothers goes ahead and marries her. So then the second half of the b'risa says it's not viewed as a legal marriage. How could it not be viewed as a legal marriage it's, it can only not be viewed as a legal marriage if you're of the opinion of like Reish Lakish, the other opinion, who says that uh, even for, for the other brothers, for them to go ahead and marry the Chalutza, the sister-in-law who did Chalutza, so then that would be a very severe negative commandment, deserving of karis. If it's a very severe negative commandment, as we pointed out in the past, that is not viewed as, even if they were to attempt to violate the Torah, that would not be viewed as a legal Marriage and, and that's what the second half of the price is saying that it's not viewed as a legal marriage. So the first half of the price assumes that with the relationship between the other brothers and the chalutza, the other brothers who did not do chalitza, and the sister-in-law who was involved in the chalitza is on the level of a lav of a negative commandment, a, an ordinary negative commandment. Uh, however, the second half of the price seems to imply that it is an isrkaris like rishlakish that it's a it's a very severe negative commandment and that's why it's not viewed as a legal marriage. So which one is it? There seems to be a contradiction between the first half. And the first line of the Brisa and the second line of the Brisa. So our Gemara is going to give now two different answers. And this is where we start on the top of Yud Aleph and Mid Aleph. The Gemara is going to give two different answers. But just a, a very short introduction to both answers. They really reflect on, on a dispute, on a machlokas that we're going to have later on. There's a machlokas later on between Rishlaki, between sorry, between Shimon and the Rabbanan. And... It's a nuanced machlokas, a new, it's a nuanced uh, dispute, but I'm just going to explain one, one thing that comes out of the Gemara uh, with regards to that dispute. So we're not going to discuss the dispute itself, but really an outcome that impacts our current Gemara, our Gemara that we're discussing here on Yud Aleph and Aleph and on, on 11a. What comes out is that what happens if you have a situation where it's as follows. The, you have a brother who passes away without children, they, and there's other brothers around, and one of them does chalitza. They end up doing chalitza, and then there's a new brother that's born. A new brother is born after the chalitza. So if it's born after the chalitza, so then the question is, does that brother, is he viewed as continuing a relationship with the original, with the original marriage? Meaning, does he, be, is there a prohibition between that brother, that new brother, and the original sister-in-law who was married to the brother who passed away. But since this new brother was born after all this was done, after Chalitza was done. So 
then do we do we view it as though that brother is really sort of dis- so distanced from that original relationship, such that he would he it would be it would be uh he's not viewed as it's not viewed as a as a sister in law it's no longer viewed as a sister in law from the from the uh, first brother uh, and and therefore he could uh, he could potentially uh, marry her because he's 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 so removed or do we say that no that that he's still connected, even though he was born after the Chalitza, uh, that he's still connected, he's still viewed as connected to that relationship, as being a brother-in-law, sister-in-law relationship, and then there would be a prohibition. Um, and it's, it, perhaps it's even worse than a regular brother-in-law, sister-in-law relationship, because since he didn't even have the option of doing Yibam, so then we'll see in, in a minute how it might even be it might even be even worse. So this is a machlokas between Reb Shimon and the Rabbana. Reb Shimon is of the opinion that since the brother was born after the Chalitza, it was born after the Chalitza, we'll see, it might be a little nuanced according to Rashi, but it was born after the Chalitza, um, and therefore he has such a distance relationship with the original brother who passed away that it's not even viewed as a brother-in-law, sister-in-law relationship. There was no Zika, there was no connection between the two, and therefore he could go ahead and marry the sister-in-law. While the Rabbanon say that no, that even though he was born after Chalitza, there still is a connection between him and the original brother who passed away, and therefore he has some sort of connection to the sister-in-law. So that is the introduction. The Gemara now says as follows: It's going to be necessary, excuse me, in order to explain the Brisa, the Brisa that we had a contradiction with a minute ago. So the Gemara says, Rav Ashi several Kareish Lakish. There can be two explanations, and we're going to get, analyze both. But they first just present the different opinions, and then we're going to. Uh, embellish on both. Rav Ashi says that the Brisa is like Rish Lakish. Really, the Brisa is like Rish Lakish, which fits with the second line of the Brisa. The second line of the Brisa implied that the relationship between the brothers and who didn't do Chalitza and the sister-in-law that did do Chalitza is of Kares, which fits with the Rish Lakish, and therefore it's not viewed as a legal marriage, even if they were to attempt to do a legal marriage. But it's like Rav Shimon. How do you fit? How do you understand the first line? That's like Rav Shimon, as we will explain in a minute. Ravina says that no, the Brisa is like Rabbi Yochanan, which fits with the first line of the Brisa, which says that the relationship between the brothers who did not do Chalitza and the sister-in-law that did do Chalitza is one of a lav, an ordinary lav, and that fits with the first part of the Brisa, but the second part of the Brisa, that will fit like the Rabbanan. And the Gemara now explains. We didn't explain it yet, the Gemara now explains in greater detail. Rav Ashi suffered like Rish Lakish and Tarot like Rav Shimon. What is the opinion of Rav Ashi? What is the answer? Hacholitz liyavinto v'chazer v'kitsha. The first case, the first line of the Brisa says that the Cholitz, the one who did Chalitza, he did Chalitza, and then he goes ahead and he marries her, which is a negative commandment, an ordinary negative commandment. Everyone agrees that that's an ordinary negative commandment. So he goes ahead and he marries her, and then he also passes away without any children. Tzricha Chalitza minachin. We require Chalitza from the brothers. Why? Why do we require this? This is the opinion. This is going. Ravashi holds that this is according to Reish Lakish. According to Reish Lakish, we should not require chalitza because the brothers, with regards to this sister-in-law, is really viewed as the sister-in-law of the original marriage, which we said according to Reish Lakish is kares. It's it's viewed as really a, a it's just like uh, just like uh, if your brother was married to your daughter because it's a close relative. We don't do yibum chalitza. So too, if it's the sister-in-law who's also the sister-in-law from the first marriage. That that sister-in-law, that prohibition remains; it continues. Uh, so then, so then we shouldn't require anything. So why do we require chalitza? 
Manachin. So the question is, who, who, which brothers are we referring to? According to re- this explanation, we say Achen Hayeludin, Keman Kerb Shimon. This is like Kerb Shimon. We say these are brothers who are born after the Chalitza, and Rashi says even after the, the, the child is born after Chalitza and after the Kiddushin, meaning after Chalitza and after then this the person who did Chalitza, the brother that did Chalitza, goes and marries the sister-in-law that he did Chalitza with. And then he goes and he violates the Torah and marries her. So then, then a new brother is born. And that new brother, if he's born after this whole process, he's viewed as totally separate from that original marriage. And so the sister-in-law is now viewed is not viewed as a sister-in-law from the original marriage. It's only viewed as a sister-in-law from the new marriage. And so that brother-in-law then could do chalitza. So he does chalitza. So it fits with Rub Shimon. That the way to explain. The first line of the price is to say like Rabbi Shimon, and it's dealing with specifically a brother who's born after Chalitza and after the after the brother ma- marries the sister-in-law, which is a violation, but it, it's a viewed as a legal marriage. Uh, after all that, the new brother's born. We say that he's so distanced from that original marriage, he's not viewed as a sister-in-law, brother-in-law relationship from the original marriage. It's just from the new marriage. If it's just from the new marriage, so then you can do Chalitza. The second line is just clear for Rish Lakish, but the Gemara continues and explains the second line. Let's say one of the other brothers, the cases where they did a chalitza, then one of the other brothers does kiddushin, marries uh, the sister-in-law, one of the other brothers who was not involved. So then that's like Rish Lakish. It's not even viewed as a legal marriage. It's not viewed as a legal marriage because uh, there's an Isser Karis, because Rish Lakish is of the opinion that any of the other brothers... Uh, if they were to uh, uh, marry the sister-in-law, that would be a violation of kares, and it would be viewed as a it wouldn't be viewed as a legal marriage, and that's the point of the second line. Okay, so that's one way of understanding this contradiction of the brisa to say that it goes according the second line fits because it goes like Rish Lakish, who says that the other brothers their relationship with the sister-in-law who did do chalitza is deserving of kares. It's like a brother-in-law sister-in-law type of relationship, and the first part of the brisa. You have to say, you have to add in that it's talking about a brother who's so distant, who's born afterwards, and according to Reb Shimon. The Gemara gives a second explanation for the Brisa. Ravina says, no, we're going with Rabbi Yochanan, and the first half of the Brisa fits with Rabbi Yochanan. Rabbi Yochanan says, the other brothers, it's not Karis, it's not viewed as a brother-in-law, sister-in-law relationship once Chalitza is done. Even for the brothers who do not do Chalitza, it's viewed as a different type of relationship, and it's only an ordinary negative commandment. And we're going to see that, how do you explain the second half of the Brisa, which didn't fit so well with Rabbi Yochanan? We'll see in a minute. But the Gemara explains in detail, So let's say a case where a person does chalitza with the sister-in-law. And then he goes and he violates the Torah and he marries her, but it's viewed as a legal marriage because everyone agrees that that's an ordinary negative commandment. Moving on to 11a2. We require chalitza from the brothers. Why? Because the brother's relationship to the sister-in-law is also only a negative commandment. So that makes sense. This first half makes sense for Rabbi Yochanan. Man Achen, who are the brothers? Achen Hanoldim. Keman Kerb Yochanan. This fits with Rabbi Yochanan. These, we're dealing with a, with a regular case of brothers. What do you do with the second half? The second half of the Brisa. Amar Achen Min Ayeludim Vikitsha. However, says the Gemara, what do you do with the second half? If one of the brothers who is not involved in the Chalitza process goes ahead and marries her after she did Chalitza, so then, ain't a love klum. We we don't require. It's not viewed as a legal marriage, which is a problem. If, if the first half is like Rabbi Yochanan, how do we say it's not viewed as a legal marriage? Rabbi Yochanan's of the opinion that if any of the other brothers marries her, 
then it's, an, it's a regular negative commandment. It's not a severe one. It should be viewed as a legal marriage. So how do you explain that? So we say, This is a case where the brother was born after the Chalitza. There was a brother who was born after the Chalitza. We go according to the Rabbanon. The Rabbanon argue on Rup Shimon, and they say that if the brother was born after Chalitza, it, he is connected to the original, he still is viewed as connected to the relationship of the original marriage, of the marriage of the original uh, brother who passed away uh, without any children. And not only is he viewed as connected to that marriage, but he's also viewed as connected to that marriage even to a stronger degree. It's still, because he didn't even have the possibility of doing Yibam or Chalitza, because he was born afterwards. So he's still viewed as a brother-in-law, sister-in-law relationship. Which means that even Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Yochanan's of the opinion that all the other brothers, if they were alive at the time of Chalitza, they no longer have that brother-in-law, sister-in-law relationship of Kares. It's, it's reduced down to a negative commandment, a different type of a negative commandment. But with regards to the brother who's born afterwards, it's even worse, according to the Rabbanan. Because he still maintains that connection. Again, we said that that was a dispute, but according to the Rabbanan, he maintains that connection. And once he maintains that connection, it's even worse because he was born afterwards and it's like the Chalitza never got rid of his relationship because he wasn't alive during the Chalitza. So he stays as a brother-in-law, sister-in-law relationship to that original sister-in-law and therefore it's a prohibition of Kares. Because he was born afterwards, it's a prohibition of Kares. Once it's a prohibition of Kares, it's not viewed as a legal marriage. And that's how we can explain the second half of the Brisa. The second half of the Brisa is talking about a child who's born after the Chalitza. If it's after the Chalitza, according to the Rabbanon, again, it's a dispute, but according to the Rabbanon, He's viewed as connected to that original marriage, and it's even worse for him because he wasn't he wasn't alive at the time of the chalitza, so it wasn't reduced to an ordinary negative commandment, and it remains a brother-in-law sister-in-law relationship where it would be kares, and that's why it's not viewed as a legal marriage. That's how we explain the brises. Two different approaches to take either contrary slakish or Rabbi Yochanan, and within that there was a separate dispute in terms of if a brother is born after chalitza, is he viewed as connected to that original marriage or not? If he is not, so then he could go ahead and marry her, certainly. But if he is, so then perhaps it's even worse, according to Rabbi Yochanan, as we just explained. Let's just read a few more lines in the Gemara. What we've been discussing until now was a dispute between Rish Lakish and Rabbi Yochanan. If, you do, if one of the brothers does chalitza, what's the relationship between all the other brothers? We're now going to uh, discuss a, a similar dispute between Rish Lakish and Rabbi Yochanan, but not if you do chalitza, but let's say you do yibam. Itmar habal the law is that if one of the brothers does yibum to one of the sisters-in-law, so then none of the other brothers are allowed to, nobody, the, the same brother or none of the other brothers are, are allowed to do yibum to any of the other sisters-in-law, any of the other co-wives. Once one does yibum, nobody else is allowed to do yibum. And the question is, well, well, what is the status there? Just like we had the question by Chalitza, once one does Chalitza, what's the status of all the other brothers with regards to all the other co-wives who were not involved in that relationship? And we had a machlokas, a dispute between Rish Lakish and Rabbi Yochanan. So, so to over here, what happens if one of the other brothers who didn't do Yibam, again, we're not discussing Chalitza, but we're, doing, we're discussing Yibam. So one of the other brothers who did not do Yibam, once one Yibam is done, you're, you're not allowed to do it again. So one of the other brothers does Yibam. You know, this is a dispute. This is a machlokas between Rav and Rav One opinion says that the other brothers, with regards to the other co-wives, Including the one that did Yibam, certainly, but with regards to the other co wives, it's an Isser Kares. It's like a brother in law, sister in law relationship, which would fit like Reish Lakish. The Charam Rabase. The other opinion says that no, it's just, it's an Ase. It's actually a positive commandment, a positive violation of a, of a positive commandment. 
because it says by sechad you're only allowed to do yibum to one house, but not to for not for but not to to create multiple homes. And so therefore it's a, it's a violation of a positive commandment. And the Gemara concludes man damar bekaris kirish lakish man damar basei kirabi yochanan. Rish lakish this the opinion that says that it's kares fits with rish lakish. Rish lakish says that once you do chalitza or once you do yibum for with regards to all the other brothers or all the other co-wives <coughs> who are not involved in the in the chalitza or yibum. It goes back to a regular brother-in-law, sister-in-law relationship. A violation of Karis. The other opinion fits with the Rabbi Yochanan who says that no, all the brothers and all the sisters-in-law, they are reduced. It's no longer a brother-in-law, sister-in-law relationship of Karis. Rather, if it's Chalitza, then it's a negative commandment. And over here, if it's uh, if you do Yibam, then all the other brothers and sister-in-law is a, it's a violation of an Asay, but of a positive commandment, but it's not the regular brother-in-law sister-in-law relationship before Rabbi Yochanan. We'll conclude here. This concludes this discussion of Rish Lakish and Rabbi Yochanan, and we're going to continue with some very interesting cases uh, in the next couple of recordings.